With Father's Day right around the corner, what do you give to the man who has everything? Easy. You give him an experience he'll never forget. You give him Omaha Steaks because a world-class dad deserves a world-class steak. The Father's Day experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to put a smile on the big guy's face this summer with hand-selected gift packages starting at just $89. Just go to omahasteaks.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout for an additional discount when you shop gourmet gift packages for Father's Day. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless. Endless flavor, endless variety, and endless value. Truly, they have perfected more than just steak. Your dad is guaranteed to love every bite. Go to omahasteaks.com, use the promo code BLUEWIRE to get an exclusive savings. Shop for unforgettable gifts that are guaranteed to make dad's day. Because if there's one thing that Omaha Steaks knows, it's the dads want steak. That's omahasteaks.com, promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to save on exclusive packages starting at just $89. What is up? Welcome to episode number 285 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined, as always, by Mr. Mock himself, Nick Pollock. How you doing, Nick? What is happening? Yes, I am a parody. I just mock things. <laughs> Endlessly. Over and over and over no. and over <laughs> again. This is the time for you to mock me properly, though. I've been talking to other people about their mock drafts, and actually, we're going to talk about mine today, which is uh, something... Which is gonna? I'm just gonna say that it is. It is something fast. It's a lot of fun. It, it's been you know. So there have not been a lot of mock drafts, right? Pitcher List has been doing a, a lot of uh, mock drafts. I haven't seen too many mocks, uh, and it's been interesting to look at a board and just to see where things are settling and who's falling right. where. And we've got a how many how many conversations have you had with other mock drafters so far? Uh, I I don't know. Like outside of the Pitcher List staff, or no no no, just just from this twelve teamer. Oh, I see. We've done, I think, five podcasts so far. Five yeah. podcasts. Four and- are, or yeah, four are live. <laughs> okay. There's one. I, I talked to Kevin Hastings. I don't think you guys have heard that one. Actually, you also haven't heard to uh, listen to Van Burnett's yet. So, yeah, we've got a good amount. It's gonna be fun. Coming into this mock draft, and don't don't do the Nick Pollock here. Just answer this right. question. Don't answer this question with every draft oh, yeah, yeah, pick yeah, that yeah, you yeah, have yeah, in this okay, draft. Yeah, okay. that is the Nick Pollock. This is true. <laughs> yes, that is the Nick Pollock. I will never forget that first time we what? did this. And I was what like, there oh, goes yeah, all right. of. No, I was like, there go all of my questions because you're like, well, yep. we'd pick one and we'd pick two. Well, it was like it was a question that was layered. You know, you needed to understand everything. Yes. All right. Okay. Yeah. So what I want to know is coming into this mock draft. Obviously, it was very quick. There, you know, there's still some, at least for me, still some burnout happening with the season. Was sure. there something you were thinking about in terms of like I'm gonna give this a shot for this mock draft, or was it more like chips fall where they lie? I'm just gonna yeah. have fun with it. Right. So I, I was really trying to lean into that pitching is deep, um, and it, there can be a tendency, especially in these, like. Sandal Alcantara went in the fourth round right after me. And I was like, oh, if that actually happens in March, I probably would take Sandy. But I mm-hmm. wanted to really lean on that philosophy that I always have now that I get all the tweets like, unbelievable. The guy who's called pitcher list doesn't take a pitcher. 
and yeah. uh, for five rounds. And that is a, an endearing voice. I don't know if it came across the other way, but <laughs> that was an endearing voice. Um, and uh, but yeah, that's I mean that's just what I do. So I want to lean into that as much as I could. Um, and I went into that. You know, that also means that I need to take hitting early. And sure. this is really um, it's interesting. I I did this mock with. 11 other people that I trust a lot with their opinion and for fantasy. Um, these are podcasters and cross the network and then plus Ben Pernick <laughs> and mm-hmm. Ben Pernick does the, um, uh, does the buy and sell every Wednesday. He's been doing it for like five years with us. Uh, it's amazing. So I trust their opinions. And then there's me where it's like, okay, hitting, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, and I'm using this a lot to help myself. So it is a little bit selfish, but I certainly found myself right away saying, okay, no pitchers. Nick, great. First five rounds. I don't know what I'm doing. So yeah, it was fun. Okay. So that's good. I, I that was a great answer. That was maybe one of your better answers in terms of strategy. And it lets us, it lets us jump directly into the first round. Okay. Okay. Now you're, you, did you choose, what is this? Pick seven, two, four, six, eight. Did you choose seven? No, seven. Did you choose pick seven? I, I was the first one and I purposely took seven because I just wanted to be in the middle of things. I didn't want to think about the strategy of first and 12th or so. So I just kind of mm-hmm. threw myself in the middle. Also, I had no, I had no real grasp of who the elite top tier was yet of everything. Because, like, you know, every year there's it used to be like Mookie Betts and Trout or like one, two, and then maybe a third is in there. It does look like this year there's a distinct group, and I didn't know if that existed yet. And doing this draft, I kind of found out that I got lucky being the seventh because I feel like the top seven are like the de facto ones. So I, I just threw myself in the middle. Yeah, there was kind of a fun thing that was happening with um, last year in drafts where it was like you could get to be pick six or seven and it was more about not it was more about just like who was available that fell to you. And I always loved yeah, that. Right. You know what I mean? Like it just made your decision so much easier. <laughs> it was like, all right, guess I'm starting with Juan Soto. I guess I'm starting with Jacob deGrom. Um, sure. The first seven picks that went ahead of you were Vlad, which was one one. Then Acuna, uh, Fernando Tatis, Trey Turner, Juan Soto. Bo Bichette. Now, before we get to your pick, were you hoping any of those guys fell to you or you didn't care? I mean, sure. I was, uh, you know, those were the hitters that I knew. <laughs> I don't know any other hitters except those guys. No, I I didn't expect any one of those really to fall to me. Maybe Juan Soto, maybe Bo Bichette. Uh, I didn't really know if people were buying so heavily into Bo Bichette yet. Obviously, they are. Yeah. Um, and I essentially the guy that I took was like, oh, yeah, this is the one. You know, for me, always the mentality is I am someone that does not want to focus my energy on chasing stolen bases on the wire in season. Some people are really good at it. I'm very bad at it. It's not my strength. So I want to ensure that I have a stolen base threat that I don't feel is dragging me down in the first couple of rounds. It's a luxury. So you don't always get that situation. But if I can, I do it. And that is why I went with Jose Ramirez. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, really, one of the few guys that you can still get at that point who could well, maybe Harper and then theoretically Trout if it's healthy, um, fulfill that five category requirement. You know what I mean? Right. Just you love could, you that. could say bets too. Um, bets went down to number nine, but obviously it wasn't the strongest of seasons from just 10 stolen bases, 23 stolen yeah. uh, home runs, but shortened season, 122 games. And that could turn into a proper 3015 or maybe even 3020 next year. Uh, we'll see how that goes out. So, I mean, and there's Kyle Tucker at the end, Trout, maybe at some point. Harper always gives you some double digit steals. So, pretty much everyone here is safe for, I mean, even Soto gives you some speed too 
is going to be that. But for me, Jose Ramirez, 27 stolen bases this past year. He's essentially a 30-20 guy. Like, we know this. And the runs and RBI totals are always around 200. So I just felt very safe with this. No one is going to look in this and go, how dare you, Nick? And that's pretty much my goal of hitters. Is just no one looks at my team and says, Nick, you're absolutely crazy. You don't know what you're doing. So I'm okay <laughs> yeah. with that with Jose Ramirez. Yeah, and then you you end up backing that up. Uh, well, before I get to what your second round pick is, was there any pitcher here that could have fallen that would have made you consider going one for one here? In the second round? In the second round. So by the point that we circle back to you, Corbin Burns, Garrett Cole, and Walker Bueller had gone in that order. Had any of those three been available, would you have considered it? I mean, no, but I'm sure other people have said yes, Nick, but that's just not what I was going for in this one. I can understand taking Cole or Burns at that point. I get it, but it's just not my, you know, I don't need to do that. It's not my strength, so I personally don't do it. Okay. Uh, so you end up going with Freddie Freeman. Now, this is great. I mean, ostensibly the one area, at least recently, where Jose Ramirez has not been super elite has been average. And then, you know, you look at, Freddie Freeman, the shortened season, he hits 341. He hits 300 over 159 games this year. Yes, technically, he's a free agent. We don't know if he's going to end up in Atlanta again. I would be very surprised if he was wearing anything other than an Atlanta jersey next year. Uh, You obviously get plenty of power runs and ribbies. What what else are you kind of thinking about that pick here? You know, it's funny. I, uh, in previous years, again, doing this mock draft, no reference point whatsoever. No one had it. So I internally wasn't uh, aware of where the depth is later on in the drafts. And generally when you do these, it's about building from the bottom and going up. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, in years past, it's been a case where first base falls off somewhat early where it was around the first six, seven rounds. And then all of a sudden nothing. Uh, this year it's totally different. I've actually the, been doing these podcasts. I've mentioned a lot. Brandon Belt, CJ Crone, Jared Walsh, Joey Votto, Reese Hoskins, Josh Bell, uh, Anthony Rizzo, Ryan Mountcastle all went after the ninth round. Um, and there are some really good hitters there that you can absolutely get by within a 12 teamer. And I didn't know that at the time. So I thought, you know what? My goal is to fill out positions and not think about this. So Freddie Freeman, second round. I, I saw the other ones. Uh, Luis uh, Robert, uh, Aaron Judge. Um, Cedric Mullins, Byron Buxton, Tyler O'Neill, etc. And I didn't feel as secure with them. I hadn't really done my research of who do I trust or not yet. And you'll see this pattern where you look at my team. None of these are coming off of like career years. You know, it's all tried and true. This could have been drafted 2019 or something. Yeah, yeah. Like that. Because, yeah, this, that, that's, that just feels the safest to me early on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, that does make a lot of sense. And you kind of took the next question out of my mouth, which is like, you're not really working with any outfielders here, but you, you mock drafts are always a little bit puzzling to me because of that very exact point that you just made, which is like the recency bias has never been stronger than it is right, right now. You know what I mean? Yes. Like is Cedric Mullins a third round pick? Is he a second round pick? Is he a fifth round is pick? He, yeah. You know I mean? Derek Cardi will yell at you and say he is not a, a, a third round pick or so. And just thinking he's way 15th, too high. 16th. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's. Sorry. I'm very curious to see where the dust settles. No, no, no. I'm very curious to see where the dust settles right there. And to be honest, I think there is something nice about this strategy of like Jose Ramirez and Freddie Freeman have worked for a long time and yes. they're probably going to keep working. And yep. if anything, 
is now when you really want to be taking those risks on guys who are going to have those ultimate seasons. You want to be finding those guys in around 10, 11, 12, 13. Well, right. I mean, that's just what I always preach. But then at the same time, I've done that in the past and it happens to be the year that Machado isn't very good or Anthony Rendon is terrible. And it's just, you know, there's risk and reward for all of it. Uh, And I, this is a case of maybe I'll be doing this from the middle spot, maybe not doing Freeman because I don't feel the necessity for it. Paul Goldschmidt is incredibly comparable uh, to Freeman when in the fourth round to Kevin Hastings talked to him about that. Um, and it's, yeah, we'll see how the things settle uh, when it comes to March, but this seemed like a good start. Yeah. So you, obviously, I was going to say you stuck with a hitter, but I think that's evident here. Um, <laughs> but you don't, you don't go with an outfielder is really what's the most important right. part. Really, I wanted to say if Starling Marte was still on the board, would you have taken him? But he <laughs> went to pick after you. He went to pick after you. You coward. You uh, were in hey, this draft fast. All right. I could you do gonna, whatever I wanted. You're going to take in Marte and locked up stolen bases in this fake draft for the rest of the It's a head-to-head league, and I already had Ramirez. And not to mention, I got Trevor Story, who is not a slouch when it comes to stolen bases himself, 24-20 this past year uh, for Story. It's it's, it's the same thing that I just mentioned with first base, is I'm thinking in my head, what could be the positions that are shallow? And in general, to me, in a 12-team, especially a three-outfield one, Outfield is the least important one to get because mm-hmm. it's the easiest one to fill in sure. in season. So in general, when I go through my first, like I am going hitter heavy, it's only two outfielders, not not three. I max out at two because I want to make sure I can. There's always someone fun to take later on in outfield. I mean, that's just how the nature of this is. So I, I anticipated that in some way. I didn't know who it would be yet. So I did push it down a little bit. Not to mention, I, I did think about Stalling Marte. Okay, that was in my consideration. You did think about him. Yes. I also thought about Teoscar Hernandez, too, who went uh, mm. early in the fourth. Um, I also really like George Springer, and I kind of felt like those one of those three would come back to me, which it did. I And... I shortstop again. I didn't really love that, you know, Xander Bogarts, Lindor, Tim Anderson, so he's Seager. And I felt like, you know what, Trevor Story, I know he's coming off of a down year of a 251 average, but I imagine Trevor Story is going to land on his two feet. Uh, he's still going to give you stolen bases, still going to give you a lot of power. Depends on where he goes. Is he going to resign with the Rockies? Is he going to go elsewhere? I see this. I think everyone would agree this is a down year and he's still produced in four categories significantly. 24 home runs, 88 runs, 75 RBI, 20 stolen bases uh, with that 251. So I, I don't think I'm the only person expecting some sort of bounce back. Actually, steamer projections are out now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just as a baseline, like, yeah, 28 home runs, 90 runs, 91 RBI, 21 stolen bases, 264 average. And like, sure, I'll, that sounds like great production from my shortstop position and i don't need to think about this so ta-da yeah it's funny you, you brought up what it what is to me the most at point which is where he lands right and i'm not going to get into the his numbers are going to regress because he's going out of course because i don't necessarily think that's going to be the case two things one even if they were to regress i don't think they would ever regress below what he did in this off year at 264 right. with 2020 plus two Yes, ostensibly, he could go to a team that doesn't want him to run as much, but you still got to figure he's picking up 10 to 15 stolen bases at a minimum. That's a that's a three for him. Yeah, exactly. And three, he's going to a better offense no matter what. 
know what I mean? He's going yes. to a contender. I, I genuinely do not believe he's going to resign with Colorado. He's going to go with a team that that boosts his runs and his ribbies category. We don't talk a lot about in the in the in the analytics community, but in the fantasy community, see, obviously very pertinent. It's he's going to be hitting high in the order on a great offense somewhere. Maybe it's New York, maybe whatever. He's going to be doing that somewhere. It's going to be beneficial for him. So I, I very much like that pick. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point there. And yeah, the 251 average last year does feel very much like it's not going to get worse than that. He's a better hitter than 251. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he, he's never done it. So, yeah, I, I'm not too worried about that. We've also seen plenty of arguments of guys, if they have the tools, being just as successful or very successful, I should say, outside of course. You go to the next round, round four. You finally pick up your your very first outfielder. You were considering him, it sounds like, it seems, in the third round, and it paid off because you got him in the fourth in George Springer. So I I realized after, I was like, you know what? I probably shouldn't have done this because it goes against my mentality of floor, and George Springer hasn't had more than 125 games since 2018, and that was still 140. The guy always gets injured. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just it's, it's his world. 78 games this past year, 122 in 2019, 51 in 2020, which is all right. That's actually not so bad, but he was very productive in that time. 22 home runs, 59 runs, 50 RBI in, in Toronto. And that offense is just so unbelievably good mm-hmm. that I don't see how George Springer on a per game basis makes this a bad one. You know, it's, it's always the, the debate is endless about injured guys on a per game basis, what their true value is. Cause it's about the replacement as well. Uh, and it's not quite fair because there's a lot of injured guys. So you're going to have to, that's still like a half a roster spot is what I want to say, because you're going to have guys in the IL through the year. Um, but still George Springer, I think is going to likely play above 78 games. I feel like that's a safe estimate. And the amount of production Springer provides in that time is just so significant uh, that I felt this was worth in the fourth round. And here are my counters to that, too. Even in 122 games, uh, over 550 plate appearances and more home runs than ever in his career. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? So even though he just played 122, he still set a new career high in home runs with nearly 100 runs and ribbies, meaning that even in that short time frame, he could be incredibly effective. Yeah, 136 games, 31 home runs. Like, come on. That's insane. Nearly 100 runs again. That's insane. Right. He's uh, he's a very good player. (laughs) Yeah. Well, but what I'm saying is if you can get him at a discount and you consider the fact that there is going to be plenty of viable fill in outfielders over the course of a season, you're getting great outfielder stuff just from this. You know what I mean? That that's that's the mentality. Right. And there's also don't ignore the ceiling. Let's say he actually goes 140 games. You know, Springer could be something absolutely ridiculous. And you know, so I, I I weighed that. It goes a little bit against, you know, to repeat the thing was I go for floor where I don't want to think about it. And this is something I will have to think about it. But I just felt it was it was too good to pass up. Um, all right, let's move on to your next round as you continue to fill out your offense here. Uh, as we're looking at Jose Altuve, obviously coming off of a, of a fantastic year with a 130 WRC plus hitting 278 with 31 home runs. I mean, obviously, this isn't a guy who we're really expecting to put up much in the stolen base department anymore. He hasn't stolen more than 10 bases since 2018, but 
you don't really need them at the moment uh, between Story and Jose Ramirez. Talk to me about this Jose Altuve pick. So on one side, I kind of regret it because Max Muncy went in the sixth round and he has second base eligibility and I kind of forgot about that. And Muncy is like a lock for 35 home runs and whatever. At the same time, you have the 31 just smacked by Jose Altuve and he actually did something surprising where his pull percentage went up dramatically. We're talking about nearly 55% pull percentage with really no season above 50. He hit exactly 50% in 2019, but everything else has been significantly underneath that. And generally when you see a pull percentage that goes up, it means guys are being a little bit more aggressive, that they miss a little bit more because they're selling out for for pull. Yet 6.9% swing strike rate is actually the lowest that Altuve has had since 2016. So those two things combined... Uh, with a 16% home over fly ball rate, which seems pretty reasonable, honestly. Uh, he also increased that fly ball rate to 39% along with the pull percentage. Clearly paid off for him. 278 average works for me. I, I don't really see the, the signs of this not sticking. It, it, you know, maybe it becomes a 25 to 30 home run season and not necessarily a 30 to 35. But from my second base spot, still going to be a great lineup in, in Houston. He's going to get a ton of runs. I just saw this as, yeah, second base. I don't know what is below at this point, right? I see Sebian and Albies are both second base eligible. I think there is one other here that I'm forgetting that has multiple multiple eligibility at second base, Mookie Betts. And I, it's, I'm, I'm worried. I don't want to have to think about the the discount second baseman. I saw that Altuve was still on the board and saw, thought, oh man, I got, I got the thing. I'm not going to worry about this for the entire year. I, I think this was a seal of approval pick. That's my feeling because I give seal of approval to other people. I think Muncy and or Altuve should be going right around here. But yeah, I'm a fan of fifth round Altuve. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, two points. One, I think this might be more beneficial in this league to take Altuve over Muncy because this is an average league and not an OBP league. If That's it was fair. an OBP league, then I could understand taking Muncy a little bit more. Also, this ability for him to pull the ball more so than ever before is of benefit to him, right? He's oh, yeah. got those Crawford boxes, baby. Uh, Take crawfish. advantage of them all. Crawfish boxes. Uh, uh, the crawfish boxes, yeah. <laughs> he, he's He's got them all day, every day. I mean, uh, literally 30 of his 31 home runs were hit to the pull side this year because he's just like Alex Bregman going to be able to take advantage of that right that part of the uh the the, the field so I, I i in this league i can understand taking altuve over muncie here look at this in uh, this league getting a shout out chris welch and scott bogman great podcast over there <laughs> they are great i love those guys <laughs> uh well we did it to be honest i'm a little disappointed we got through five rounds and yeah. we filled out your offense and here yeah. we are at round six it feels like a little bit of a failure i'm not gonna lie i've seen you what, go seven eight early? Yeah. Well, yeah. So this is what happened is that you have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 already off the board. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of took a look at like, all right, who are the ones available? And this is likely where the limit will be. So if you guys obviously you know that I have my top 150 starters. And when it comes to the different tiers that I'm going to be looking to to try and get the first one, I feel like, all right, everything is fine. It's probably before the end of tier three, if I can, um, which is around 18. I'm probably going to put Nola into that one um, come uh, draft season. So that's probably the first 19 starters. Uh, I would want to get one of those if I can. If I, if I need to go the whole McClanahan and Manoa and Freed thing, then fine. Um, but I would like to have one. And here was Jack Flaherty in the middle of the sixth round. 
I truly believe that we are, as an industry, ignoring Jack Flaherty and overlooking like what he did this year. I mean, Flaherty was hurt. And before he was hurt, was just everything you wanted Jack Flaherty to be. A 2-9 ERA with a 103 whip and a 26% K rate. I mean, it's it's that simple to me. The, the questions that I've had before about Jack Flaherty have been, is was he in rhythm? Was that really all that it was in 2019? And 2020 was weird as anything. And then so he came back in 2021. And yeah, this is who, okay, yeah, you're doing the thing again. You're really, really good. This is great. All the other stuff after he returned to me is just kind of fluff. You know, he had uh, a September that was just non-existent, really. He came back for three starts uh, after the injury. And, you know, he had two that were totally fine, completely injured in the last one, and then missed essentially the rest of the season. So, Flaherty, hey, what's up, buddy? You are going to be used by the Cardinals a ton. It's Adam Wainwright and who knows what else, really. Dakota Hudson, Miles Michaelis, and Flaherty, and I don't know if there's even talk of Jordan Hicks starting. I, okay. Mm. But Flaherty is going to be constantly going six plus, you know, in this season, actually, between uh, between April 7th and May 19th, six innings, five, six, seven, six, seven, six, six. Like the guy is that workhorse for the Cardinals. I, I was super thrilled with this. I, I, I think the sixth round Jack Flaherty should be a target for everybody. If this is where his ADP lands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, uh, remind me, remind me. You in the past, I, I think you have been more in than I have been. Is that right? Or out? On Flaherty? No, no, no. Yes. I've been more out. I've been more out. Yeah, more out. Okay. So so what is your hesitation here? I think I still think his biggest issue is he's way too bad of dependent on that four-seamer. I'm not in love with the four-seamer. I think that fastball-slider combination we're just going to be chasing that elite second half that he had a couple of years ago. And I don't know if it's ever going to click for him in the same way that it's clicked before. I mm-hmm. I don't know if he's capable of that kind of um, uh, SP one over the full course of the year. Um, but then again, to your credit, he put it together in that first half before he got injured, right? I mean, a 2.90 ERA up until May 31st is, you know, that that's even with a terrible opening day against Cincinnati where he gave up six run runs over four and a third. Um, so maybe I am a little bit too critical. And also, you know, those Babbitt skills, while they are often not sustainable, um, have been for him because he perpetually is backed by the best infield defenses in, in all of baseball. Uh, yeah. And that doesn't seem like it's going to change. So maybe I am a little bit too harsh on him. Well, I will say that the sinker that made me excited in 2019 of how good it was in that second half, the most underrated aspect of that run for Jack Flaherty was the rarely thrown, yet when thrown super good and efficient, sinker wasn't as good um, in the first half of this year. Uh, the curveball did step up a little bit. Um, I mean, it was it was an effective pitch for him um, this past season. Flaherty's slider was not quite as overwhelming as we've seen. Normally 25% swing strike rates this year, 20 or so, 21, but still an excellent CSW pitch. Throws it often. Uh, and, and the four seamer, it gets a lot of called strikes. You know, he had a, he had a ton of, of, of strikes this year, 66% strike percentage on the fastball. I think it's an effective pitch. His fastballs overall combined for 180 batting average level, but to your credit, 192 Babbitt probably isn't going to stick around with that. Um, mm-hmm. so the, yeah, I don't know necessarily it's going to be a 322 ERA. 
I don't think it's out of the question that he can hover a three. I don't think the whip is an issue really. I I don't I don't foresee like a one twenty whip season and a, like a three ninety array from Flaherty or something like that. I don't really think that that's what the entire season portrays for him. So I felt really good. I was like, I need to get a starter at some point that I don't feel like I can drop and like really feel like definitely gonna pull up. Mm-hmm. everything and that i felt like jack flaherty here was the last true one that i could really rely on like if i went after luis castillo the whip is going to be an issue there freed he's not going to i don't think he has the same strikeout upside that jack flaherty has i uh, i think 26 percent from flaherty this past year actually could be higher while freed is gonna hover around 25 percent or so so that's why i felt very happy getting flaherty here with a good amount of volume next year all right um Round seven. Was there any conversation in your mind about Winker over JD Martinez? Uh, I, I mean, I completely forgot about Jesse Winker because hey, I'm a guy. <laughs> well, it, it didn't help that like Winker missed a lot of time. So the way I was looking yeah. up stuff, I didn't, I didn't, you know, the the, the qualified plate appearances, everything like that. I had to, I had to do a little bit more extra adjusting. I was like, oh right, Winker exists. Okay, whoops. But then again, how could you ever criticize my pick? I mean, sure, I didn't get Starling Marte in the third round, but here's J.D. Martinez. The I took, this was once. I took J.D. Martinez like <laughs> once. Starling Marte, you you're totally right. You paired Marte and Martinez back-to-back years. No. Okay? Don't, don't, no. Yes, yes. No. I remember this distinctly. It's the fast special. Okay, yeah, that was the, old me. The all power and average and everything with Gina Martinez. You pair that with a stolen base guy and Starling Marte. Like, well, look what I have done. To be fair, that year <laughs> he had 36 home runs with a 304 average. So I was. Uh, I'm not saying it was pretty, a wrong thing. Good. But now, you know, denying it is a is a funny. That's thing. true. I but now he's th- going to be 36. Uh, I mean, it really is actually an interesting conversation because there are plenty of warts with Winker. I mean, he can't stay healthy. This is like the right. second time he's played over 100, and, uh, 100 games, I think, in his entire career. So there's plenty of arguments there. Uh, but yeah, it is kind of crazy to see that their production wasn't terribly far off despite a like 40 game gap between them. Mm. Um, so but it is something about, you know, if you're going to Winker, up until the point he got injured, was arguably the most important player in fantasy. He was a from top an offensive 20 perspective. hitter in season uh, for Metzalar. Like, I remember looking at hitter list and seeing, like, oh, there's Jesse Winker at 19 in the middle of the It's season. insane. Yeah, he and he was, Nicholas Castellanos fueled that offense. Oh, well, Castellanos Vada, of is someone I have circled for next year. Uh, and, I, and I can see arguments that he's a better pick than George Springer in the fourth round. So... Oh, he was uh, he wasn't taken by that point. He was at the start of the fifth, and uh, wow. I saw that. And I looked in. I was like, mm, maybe I maybe I messed up there. So, yeah, things to think about there. But uh, JD Martinez, twenty eight home runs last year, uh, ninety nine RBI, ninety two runs, two eighty six average. I mean, to me, it's you know, it doesn't look as good because it's twenty eight as opposed to thirty or thirty one or something like that. But those are just re- nice round numbers, and honestly, I don't see why Martinez can't be another 30 home run guy again. And then hints at 200 runs plus RBI and with an average well above 250. I mean, like it's 286, 304, 330. The, the guy is made for this. Um, you got a discount entering this year because of his bad 2020, but I think he's done enough to showcase. No, I'm not. I'm not ineffective. I'm, I'm still Jada Martinez in a wonderful Red Sox lineup. Like things are going to be good here. 
Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show were there any of these pitchers that went before Shane McClanahan that you were like, ugh, because looking at him, I don't think so. I think you were probably just aiming at Shane McClanahan and then he fell well, and you were like, oh, baby. I've said this a couple of times. There are there four pitchers that I am stressing out about uh, entering next year um, about where I'm going to rank them. Ultimately, it's Freddie Peralta, Logan Webb, Alec Manoa and Shane McClanahan. I, I really don't know where to put the weights on this so like freddie peralta i've been talking a lot about crossbody mechanics and how it's really hard to sustain that command am i under weighting though how good the slider was and the chaos is okay when he has that good of a secondary pitch maybe i am alec manoa is a fastball slider guy um change him to not show up but the slider was so good and the fastball was so good and he's going to get volume he's going to be paying for a winning ball club and that's really really cool Logan Webb, I mean, you guys know everything about Logan Webb at this point. Um, I just wonder if the sinker command and movement is still going to be there. Um, while the changeup is erratic, really effective at time, but erratic, and I don't know if the slider's going to be that good again. And he's a bit of a slinger, too. Lower arm angle, which does speak to a more consistent command. And then there's Shane McClanahan, who is still on the raise, and it stinks that he's on the raise because he is not getting let loose like uh, like we've seen. And he did have moments he was up to six innings or so and then they slowed him down because they expected the playoff run and the question is well are they going to rely on him for six innings more often next year the kid gloves come off a bit well he's still around 125 innings though and that means 160 170 not the potential of someone else like a frankie montos or something like that and actually i would even argue that alc manoa is likely going to be leaned on more than shane mcclanahan mm-hmm. next year so then I'm just relying on the stuff. I mean, the stuff is amazing. I don't think anyone really needs to, I don't know, get get uh, educated on how filthy uh, Shane McClanahan is. 96-97 velocity, as I proceed to explain how filthy he is. Uh, 21% <laughs> swing strike rate on his slider with a 34% CSW. 43% CSW on his curveball, which is as elite as you'll find. Um, a 24% called strike rate paired with a 19% swing strike rate. So, so good. Got a 70% strike rate on a secondary pitch with a 205 batting average allowed. That's like, ah, uh, normally when you have a high strike percentage, you have a high batting average with it, like 250 mm-hmm. or higher. But to see that he's getting strikes and then they're getting outs when they're in play. Oh, that's so good. Only 20%. Sorry. It's fine. Uh, so so he's got amazing stuff, and the changeup actually has its moments too. A 19% swing strike around that too. There's a four pitch mix here that is just flat out filthy, and it could seriously just completely take off like a Blake Snell Cy Young year. 
So I'm chasing the fun with this McClanahan pick. I mean, yeah, it certainly you. is circled, but it's, yeah, uh, I'm wrestling with it and I'm chasing the fun. Steamer gives him 185 innings. Next That's year. not right. No, no, no. Steamer. That's crazy. I, I, I saw this with uh, when Steamer released their uh, rank uh, projections a couple days ago. I think there are still things that they're figuring out. I think with the innings amounts, that was just the first pass. I don't know if 185 is what I would project. I think that a lot of people would say closer to 160, 170, but maybe it is 185. If we get 185 in McClanahan, I'd expect better than the 123 whip that they're saying. Um, I think. Yeah, the 363 ERA, or whatever, don't care. But the whip should be should be better than that. It's. I was just looking at these back-to-back <laughs> picks, and it's like, give me the youngest and oldest man you can find. Yeah, <laughs> Shane right? McClanahan and Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton, uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. You know, this doesn't turn into just one middle-aged pitcher, right? Like, it doesn't just <laughs> mash together to make, like, one middle-aged man. It's funny. If you um, said, who's the, who's the old guy here, McClanahan or Morton? You'd be like, uh, definitely McClanahan. Uh, McClanahan. Oh, you'd be that old <laughs> drunk guy? Um, yeah, Charlie Morton is a really interesting pick and i'm very curious to see where he does fall because there is no real question about how he performed but man oh man not getting any younger innings have not no. been a concern for the past couple of years but were obviously something that plagued him over the course of his career and now he's going to be going into his age 38 season you know steamer again projected him for 189 innings that's an it's an so obviously this picks us to me i think he's going over 160 uh yes yeah definitely does um i think charlie morton is i i've called him the quiet ace Mm because he doesn't get the same love as i mean here he is past the 30th starter off the board um and he doesn't get the same i don't know fanfare as everyone else 334 era 104 whip 29 percent strikeout rate this year across 185 innings i mean that was that was an sp1 for you with one of the best um, pitches in baseball for a while. Yeah, that curveball, exactly. Uh, so I think next year, you know, as of right now, it, there, is some, <laughs> there was some question about like the retirement and everything. Yeah. Um, he's coming back for another year. There is also a question of injury. He was injured in 2020. Uh, he was injured in 2018. Does he? You okay there, buddy? I wonder if he does come back. I wonder if Atlanta wins a World Series if Morton's like. If you didn't, if you didn't see, by the way, Fast was like leaning off of the camera. <laughs> I couldn't see him. I I just wonder. Oh, if Atlanta wins a World Series. Yeah, if he's like, oh. I'm 87. I'm not pitching anymore. I'm uh, but he, I mean, he clearly still has. You said that. Yeah, he'll yeah. be 38 next year. I. I mm-hmm. They signed the, the 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 deal already. Yeah, that's um, true. So why walk yeah, away from the money? I mean, look, this that will change then. If he's playing next year, I, the way I see it also is <laughs> if he retires, like it'll this. change. Well, no, no, no. I'm saying, yeah. well, right. Like, who cares? It's a mock draft in October in that way. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think what's important is that I do want to target a starter now because I start. This is where you know I'm in that fourth tier or so still fourth mm-hmm. fifth. The only one left, I think, from that fourth tier is Pablo Lopez. And that's yeah. close. I, I do think Morton, I mean, you'll make an argument back and forth who's expected more innings. You know, Morton, I think, has a has a looser leash, but Lopez doesn't have the injury history. He's not as old and everything. And that, at the same time, actually, Lopez just missed the season, part of the season with the shoulder thing. So who knows? Uh, but the next one also is Blake Snell, Zach Gallen, Tyler Molly, Luis Garcia, 
Ranger of Suarez, uh, Jose Arquiti, Shane Boz, and you can say, oh, yeah, yeah, Charlie Morton is the best pitcher of these guys. Yeah. And, and Although that's I, the thing. I wanted to go after that. I do, it does not bode well for the Gallon gals that he was before Zach Gallon for you. Well, I mean, I think that makes sense, though, considering the uh, the the injury risk of this season. Not to mention, we didn't see him quite in uh, rhythm with all four of his pitches at one point. I'm a fan of him. I love Zach Gallon. I'm a Gallon gal, of course. And I'm, I think 10th round Zach Gallon, if I knew that every single time, I'd be getting Zach Gallon in the 10th round. But yeah, I can't, you know, you know me. I, I'm, I am a fan of pitchers when I think that they don't get the love that they deserve. I think right now everyone well, kind of understands it. Nick! What's that? What? What? You could have had 10th round Gallon. Oh, I could have, but I needed. I, 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 there was a Nick! moment. No, no, let me explain. I the fan explain. club is starting to doubt your card. The All founder right, of the Gallon right Gals over there. <laughs> I can explain. I did not want to think about closers. I really like mentally was like, I don't want to be in a situation of just like, oh, I have a mock draft and then actually not have closers because I don't really want in season to do the whole shuffling of closers. <laughs> I do that. And in I didn't want to be that guy. Yeah, I didn't, want to, I didn't want to be that guy. So after Morden, I was like, okay, Nick, next time around, make sure you get a closer. And Iglesias, Chapman, Diaz, Presley all went. I was like, you got to be kidding me. So so then I was like, all right, Kenley Jansen's done saves enough. And then Will Smith went in the 11th. I was like, ah. And even Emmanuel Classic have been like, ah, I should have done that. So regardless, I still felt like I need to get a closer at this point. And I was like, yeah, I'm the pitching guy. I already have three of these. I could get my fourth core one later. And hey, Zach Allen isn't. There are a lot of these other guys that people would go after, and then all of a sudden, Gallon got taken. I was like, this is stupid. Come on, son. Dumb. Dad's going to come to your next baseball game. I <laughs> come to your baseball games all the time. I have I to can... go to these other all things. All right, all right, all right. I, I'm probably going to push uh, Gallon into, um, like right now, I have Gallon at 36. I'm probably going to push him up at the same time. Like, I need to push a lot of these guys up. Uh, this tier five is pretty dang good. Frankie Montes, Darvish, Blake Snell, Dylan Cease, Logan Webb. Logan Webb's going up. I already talked about that one. Jose Barrios, Joey Otani, and Zach Gallen. It's like, all these guys are really good. And most of those guys, if not all of them, are already taken at this point. Um, yeah, he was Yeah, he was the next one if I were going to take somebody. Just didn't happen. All right. You, you, we move on to round 11. You decide to go for another first baseman. I just felt... I felt there were a lot of guys left that I could take for my fourth pitcher that I'd be feeling secure with. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I realized, right, I have three hitting spots or four catcher, two utility, and an outfielder. And I was like, I don't know. I, I think Reese Hoskins is pretty good. Only 107 games this year and swatted 27 home runs, 247 average. He's going to be still in that Phillies lineup with, uh, with Real Muto and, and Harper and, He's he's gonna be great. <laughs> so I figured going after him. And now, like in retrospect, I was like, oh no, there are a lot of other hitters I could have chased. There's like still even Nelson Cruz in the thirteenth round. There was Brandon Bell, CJ Crone. I just felt like this is a really good pitcher. I oh, sorry, hitter. And uh, they're mm-hmm. all pitchers to me, of course. Uh just not yet for Hoskins. One day he'll throw a position, you know, be a positional player pitching. But yeah, I just I don't know. I was like, yeah, Hoskins should be taken. I I've got all these pitchers I'm gonna take. I'm I was trying to push back me taking every pitcher off the board as much as I could. So Hoskins was yeah. here. I think I personally would have gone the Franimal there. Would have gone Franimal Reyes. Yeah, that's, that seems up. very reasonable. Absolutely yeah. reasonable. 
But it's hindsight too. It's hindsight twenty twenty. You know what it's I mean? Also, I can see who's available. Yeah, you can see the the board and really make your picks and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I I, I should have done. It. Keep in mind, really listening, we didn't have any ranking to base off of. Yeah, nothing. No, that's tough. That's so, tough. But uh, for Animal, yeah, I think he's a solid pick too. I dig that man. Um, now we get to the where where Nick puts on the gloves. <laughs> <laughs> he takes some headphones, he puts on some Devin Townsend, some Alter Bridge, oh, yeah, and sure. he goes to work. Mm. And he goes to work. And we start off, we got three picks back to back to back. We're looking at Ian Anderson, Michael Kopech, Sean Manaya. Um, I'm a little shocked by the Manaya. I, I get not, that. Sh- I'm not shocked. I, and I guess theoretically, I, well, I don't know if I am. I think you have we'll been talk. really high on Anderson before. So let, let's go through these three picks here. Yeah, so Ian Anderson is someone I feel really good about for next year. Um, in 2020, he shocked us all with six starts and 195 ERA and stuff in the 30% K rate. And we we do know that the command is still the the working the the project and development with uh, with Ian Anderson. I still believe that the the mechanics that he has of going a lot of back forth north south speak to over time him getting his timing right and actually executing as he wants to it's a really nice changeup. i mean it, it's a fantastic pitch that will constantly keep him um holding back uh, a high hit per nine uh 7.36 hit per nine is really good i uh, will take that all the time um once the walk rate comes down from 10 percent to something more reasonable around eight percent or so you'll see the whip fall too you'll just see overall effectiveness going up uh, we also saw this year moments where Ian Anderson's curveball became a thing, like a mm. real, real amazing pitch. We saw, I think, a 57% CSW night from it. And I know there are certain times when other pitchers, they showcase a night with, oh, this pitch worked. This was an elite offering all of a sudden for, for a moment. And just the fact that Ian Anderson can do that, uh, I think, is a showcase that, cool, over time, We'll see more of that from Ian Anderson. He pitched 130 innings this year. He's going to throw some more in the World Series now. I actually think this is the anti-tax right now for Ian Anderson because they're seeing him not go deep into games. The Braves are holding him back as Atlanta says, all right, you know what? We're going to go to a bullpen only three innings for you or so. That's not how it's done in the regular season. Mm. Ian Anderson, especially if that walk rate comes down, which I think over time it will as development continues, is going to go six innings for a winning ball club. And he's going to have a strikeout rate that's 25% plus. I don't think that he's a 23% strikeout man. This is a five-star man. Okay? I think he is a 25 to 30% strikeout guy with his fastball changeup and that curveball that's developing. Um, And I think that he's getting pushed down too far because the floor of Ian Anderson, to me, is not a 4-5... I mean, at the very worst, it's like a 4-5-130 whip guy. I mean, I really just don't see that being the reality of Ian Anderson for a full year. You know, we saw the 195, the 358 this, these, the past two seasons. I, I, I think that we're going to see better and more development um, as we go over time. Because keep in mind, you know how old he is? He turns 20, 24 <laughs> in May. I mean, this is something that I think uh, over time gets more and more rhythm. Ian Anderson is someone you will be really, really in on next year. Welcome to Counter Argument with Alex Fast. Go um, ahead. The, the floor is yeah. is really... Question. Yeah, I agree. It's not 4.5. But the floor is 
four ERA with a hundred innings. Yeah. You know what I mean, this I is got a guy that. who has not thrown a lot of innings. And I mean, yes, he is 23, but even at the minor league level, he's never thrown over like 130 innings over the course of a year. So I don't know what to make of that. That's what scares me. Yeah, is, that's a really is, good, really good point. I uh, the fact that he did throw 130 in 2019 is encouraging. It's not like the 87 or something we've seen from the past or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 119 in 2018. Um. Yeah, yeah never I, over 130. The way I'll say this is that I like to frame these four as I want four guys I'm not going to drop. That yeah, is, I'm yeah, not going to yeah. say your performance is at a level where I think you're not productive for my team. Yeah, I don't think Ian Anderson is going to do that this year. He's the fourth one. He's the most fringy of them. In the 12th round, I felt really good about that. Now, I will say, if you guys saw a tweet I put out, yesterday that is uh recording this uh you know the early tuesday evening um on the 26th of october um i am more of a bassett fan than i was before yesterday uh because i realized that his four seamer was a strikeout pitch and i didn't pick that up at all before so i would be taking chris bassett over ian anderson at this point who went right after now the other guys though outside of the ones i picked Adam Wainwright, Severino, Framber Valdez, Noah Syndergaard, those major ones I don't I don't feel as confident in. Framber Valdez is not I I don't think is as overall productive as Ian Anderson can be, especially I think the ceiling is really nice with Ian Anderson, the continued development. Wainwright very questionable of what we're going to see next year. Severino so much I don't even say anything about Severino about the risk involved there. I just felt a lot more secure with Ian Anderson. Um, and I feel like 2022 is the season that we see the, the true Ian Anderson. Speaking of a guy with no risk, Michael Kopech ha! is your next pick. <laughs> well, now I've got my four. Yeah, and okay. I'm like, let's go. Yeah, let's have fun. <laughs> Look, I mean, the, it's, the main question, everyone knows the ceiling. He throws 100. He has two secondary pitches that miss bats with his slider and his, his changeup. The question is, is he going to start? That's what people keep asking. Is he going to start? Is he going to start? And really, we only saw the four-seamer and slider this past year. Uh, but, you know, filth McGee and 34% CSW in both of those pitches, four-seamer and slider for Kopech. I think he's going to start. I mean, the opportunities that the White Sox had often this year with doubleheaders and stuff before it was Renato Lopez, it was Michael Kopech. When it made sense, it was Michael Kopech. And he dominated in those. I mean, 36% K rate, yes, out of relief. But it is really nice to see just an 8% walk rate as a reliever. And that's a lot more in control than I think a lot of people anticipated with a guy that throws as hard as he does. 97 plus velocity on that four-seamer. I mean, Kopech is the guy that is, if this man gets his innings startings, my lord, look out. So that's why I took this pick. Um, I imagine if he's confirmed as a starter in March... It won't be 13th round. Yeah. yeah. You'd be jumping As up. you give me yeah. the giant thumbs up moving up. So, yeah. So I said, you know what? Let's have some fun. Kopech, come here. So I said, you know what? Um, all right. And then last but not least, Sean Mania. Yeah. Uh, I, this one, this is the biggest shock of them all for me because this kind of, I mean, Actually, I don't know if this does give a lot of credence to what he did this year because it is round 14. He was for many times like a, a, a top six or seven round pitcher for people this year on certain stretches. Uh, but yeah, talk to me about Manaya. So 
There's Patrick Sandoval who went next in a second. He who went, went next? Off. Yeah, I, I was, was like, just, just figuring oh. that out. It's like, what am I doing? How could yeah. I? And if you want to talk about fun, I want to take my boy Sandy. Um, you know, the Irish Panda and all. But Sean Manaya, I think people don't quite realize that there was a moment this year I had him inside the top twenty um, because his fastball velocity was up and he was just destroying. Um, I'm looking right now and I see three games of double digit strikeouts. From Sean Manaya this year. I think that's absolutely startling to people. Mm. Um, 180 uh, innings pitched, 26% strikeout, but with just a 5% walk rate. Like that, what? From Sean Manaya? Mm. I mean, this is someone who was, it's kind of always wonky command, we thought, and not going to quite get there. And man, he really came through with it. His, uh, his changeup and, and curveball, or breaker, I should say. Um, at times was a bit floaty. It wasn't quite down to the zone. And then his velocity fluctuated um, from anywhere from you know, 90 and change to 94 even. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm talking about an average velocity, not just sitting uh, or not just the range in a game. Because uh, that would be 92 and I'd be totally fine with 92. Uh, so I don't know what velocity we're going to see next year. But if we see the the, the same ninety two plus from Shamanaya through the year, I mean this guy was just an ace for a lot of the year, and then it fell apart a bit. So I figure, you know what? Like out of the gate, I could be profiting so much from this fourteen mm-hmm. round pick of Shamanaya, while Patrick Sandoval might need some time to gear up. You know, he might need a moment to rev his engine. Or Logan Gilbert, maybe the slider isn't there yet. Or, or Tristan McKenzie is the same exact thing we just dealt with. So that's why I went John Mania here. If Josiah Gray was still available at round 15, would you have taken him? Yes. Too fun. Too, too much fun. fun. Yeah, I was looking at other fun names that you would you would really dig. And that one I probably mean, Logan was... Gilbert's up there too. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, that's oh. a fun one. So instead you went another pitcher. You went with Scott Barlow, closer for the Royals. Great stuff this year, near 30% K rate. Was that just to give me another well, best closer off the board? So I have six starters already. Now, suddenly I look down and I have six starters. I'm like, what? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's, it's it, two it's outfielders. Kind of, it's kind of like how you've had, you know, you're like going back for another Oreo. Then you see an entire sleeve is missing. And you say, <laughs> no, like I enjoy this so much, but I probably should stop a little bit. Um, and then it's like, okay, fine, fine. When I don't know what to get, because I felt like I didn't need to get that one outfielder now. And I only have one more utility spot open for, uh, for, uh, for hitters. So I was like, you know what? I'll get a closer then. And I looked on, you know, Rick Graham's incredible saves, uh, list for relievers. And Scott Barlow was right there at the top. I was like, you know what? Not the top, but in like the first tier or two. It's like, yeah, Scott Barlow should have the job again for the Royals. Sure. And in retrospect, probably Doval for the Giants is a better pick. You know, he's probably going to get the, the job for the Giants and he throws absolute cheese. Nah, I, nah. No. No. You say. What? No, I mean, I think that they're going to continue to play the analytics and use the best matchup, the guy ah. for the best matchup. And I think they Maybe constantly have a slew of. Yeah, I think Josh Domont is a really good pitcher as well. Um, sure. Who's back up behind Barlow. But, um, you know, I mean, but you know me. This is how I am about <laughs> saves. You don't, and... Yeah, we're drafting saves wrong. So maybe it is Scott yeah. Barlow is the guy that has a job in Kansas City and you should be happy with the 25 to 30 saves he gets. Yeah, I think that would work. Um, you say, you know what? I finished one sleeve. Might as well just finish the but entire yeah, once, package. Once you, once yeah, you once have you commit, that, you're like, ah, I can have one more. 
Yeah. So well, it was. You, you, you ate the factory right now because you went back to the well for Alex Wood. <laughs> and I got sniped. You did. With oh, Sixto with Sanchez. Sixto. I mean, Sixto. that's if you want to talk about a fun guy that's getting ignored. I'm I'm shocked that Sixto Sanchez won the 16th round. Yeah. Uh, I, this is someone that I inside my top 40 entering this year, given health and everything. And then, of course, it didn't happen. But, man, uh, hi, Sixto Sanchez. You throw hard and have three secondary pitches that can all develop into an elite pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, his Alex, old nickname. <laughs> his old nickname. Yeah. What a, what a long amount of hyphens that is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, Alex Wood is uh, underrated, though, to me. Um, what he did this year, sitting essentially 91.5 or 92 with a phenomenal slider. Um, yeah, it's a four-year array at the end, which honestly is just shocking to me. Uh, he had this one period in uh, in July that really messed them up. Or really, like the end of uh, May into July, a start series of starts of four, seven, four, two, four earned runs, and then he had a small little one again in um, the start of August. But really, I mean, so much uh, just constant one earned run, zero earned run games. Um, high CSW rates across the board. I mm. uh, it's it's. I think Alex Wood is going to get his his volume next year. And this is kind of weird. Of at this point, kind of looking and seeing a lot of my fun names. I expect to see in the 16th through 18th round gone. John Means is gone. Tanner Houck is gone. I uh, Logan Gilbert's gone. Josiah Gray is gone. Patrick Sandoval gone. Tarek Skubal, who I absolutely adore for next year. Actually, I'm going to be raising him up. I uh, is gone. And I thought, all right, fine. I'll take wood. Jesus. You know, uh, it was just that case. And I saw Aaron Ashby go in the 17th. It's like, oh, I should have taken Ashby. That would have been fun. But uh, it's fine. Alex Wood deserves my love. So I gave it to him. He was an Ashby was another guy that I was kind of surprised didn't end up on your team. But I also think wood is, is a, is a really nice pick there, especially because this is a guy who's your what? SP six. Oh yeah. Seven. And, and this is also keep in mind, I'm planning thinking that the schedule will be good out of the gate for wood. Wood is someone, as opposed to one of the younger guys, that when he starts that first game, it won't be like four innings or five. Mm, like he would sure. actually produce right away. Uh, and there's that there is something to be to think about that when it comes to balancing the young guys and uh, later in your draft, is you do want some like Sean and I would do the same thing. Michael Kopak he could be limited to like just five innings in that first starter, so it might take some time before he really gets the six. So think about that a little bit uh, when you're crafting your team in the back half. There's so many fun pitchers, but not all of them get the same leash right away. Um, moving on, you you only have two outfielders up until this point. Yep. Um, <laughs> were you? Did you try and put a challenge on yourself to draft the outfielder who's going to play the fewest amount of games next year? Yeah. Well, that's the thing is outfielder is outfield is the easiest one to replace. So mm-hmm. I wanted to take the highest quality per game, and AJ Pollock. I would think would be the highest one out there. I mean, I, I could be easily proven wrong. There's a fun one like Jesus Sanchez, for example. Uh, Kyle Lewis in the 21st round I thought was really good. There's Alex Verdugo. There's Kirilov in the 18th and taking a chance on Joe Adele. But the fact that in the games that he played, AJ Pollock had a 300 average with 21 home runs and, and just under 70 RBI in 117 games is really, really good. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, I'll take that chance uh, out of the gate. Yeah, man, there really are a lot of uh, outfielders available after this. Um, you, 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 you are not to be deterred, my friend. No, you said ah, I got my outfielder. Let me go back <laughs> one more time. I can't. This do is where value is. Value is yeah, in pitching okay. later, not hitting. All right. So this is your SP eighteen. 
Uh, this is uh, Jesus Lazardo. Not a surprise, it is, really. It is eight, and I normally go nine. Is what I do. I do. I do nine because I feel like you have. I just. I don't care about bench bats. Oh, no. Well, maybe one. But says the guy who took ten. You didn't Whatever. even take nine no. in this draft. The ten doesn't count. Oh, you'll understand. No, no, we'll talk. We'll talk. We'll, we'll explain okay, why okay. the last okay. one isn't the same. Okay. Um, but. <laughs> But Lizardo, I don't think people realize how good of a September he had. Uh, finished the season with 11 strikeouts and 5.1 innings as he finally, finally started to embrace the fact that his curveball and changeup are better than his fastball. Not to mention moving away from sinkers, going more towards four seamers as you bang your head against the desk. What is it? Fast. If, if we go back to my first pitch podcast on Hazel Cesardo, I looked at yes. his line. I talked about it and I said, oh, my God, he had to do this on the last start. Yeah, right. <laughs> because I what? knew I knew and we didn't even make it to the season. We didn't even make it to 2022. It's a mock draft. And we're already talking about his final one start. No, 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 no. But it's not even that, though. I remember talking about this at the end of August. Uh, is August 29th start for him, yes. against Cincinnati. And that was the first time that Luzardo went 40% fastballs as opposed to 55 to 60%. And what did he do? Eight, uh, sorry, six strike, uh, six innings of zero and runs and eight strikeouts with two base runners. And I thought, okay, this is finally when he's understanding I can, I can change my old approach and do something different and have a, and be effective and he did that again with the the Mets. Uh, eight strikeouts, two earned runs, five point two innings, five point two innings against the Phillies. Not as strong, but there's a hint of of that development happening with Luzardo. And I, look, this is the 18th round. I think we're going to be hearing a lot about Luzardo talking. Oh yeah, I started to figure things out with Miami. They told me about maybe changing up my repertoire a bit. And I think we all know the ceiling of a guy who throws over 95 miles per hour with a, a curveball that's amazing and change but has a ton of potential too it makes a lot of sense for me and i thought at this point actually surprisingly there weren't too many amazingly fun guys left mm-hmm. joe ryan left went next which i am really surprised that joe ryan's the one that's getting a lot of helium um there's patino there's you know grayson rodriguez no i, yeah, I hear you eric lauer so i felt you know what this might be i mean carlos carrasco went two picks later totally get that one uh, but we were running low on them, and I was like, "All right, let's let's go, Luzardo." Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Um, yeah, you're kind of running low on um, the SP two upside, right? Like Jesus Luzardo right. has SP one, SP two upside, and as I look at all these other guys, they're far from that. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're ceiling, exactly. but they're far from that. And this um, is 18th round, a 12 teamer. Like this is yeah, you do that thing, you chase that. This one's a little. You, oh, I have no idea confusing. what I'm doing fast. I have no okay. idea what I'm doing right. about relievers. Okay. I was like, I can't take another starter. can't do that. I don't have Wait, any so hitters it's... that I'm going after. Okay. And so I saw that Bednar was the guy in Pittsburgh. And I was like, cool. Got him. Bednar just sounds like a like a terrible Dungeons and Dragons. I was going to say character like, from Dune, but you know. That's fine. Yeah. Bednar. Uh, right? Fear before Bednar. Um, <laughs> David <laughs> Bednar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, nothing really to discuss about him. Um, I mean, no offense it's, to David Bednar. I will just likely a, be going three relievers uh, in, in entering uh, drafts next year. I, well, just to, just to make it so I, I don't want to I don't want to do the work of the waiver wire. I know my strength. My strength is finding pitching. So instead, I want to make sure like I, I don't touch the things that I, you know, I'm bad at. And I want to take risks on the things that I think I'm good at. So you got to touch the Bednar. Um, yes, uh, Anthony, sure. <laughs> Anthony Rizzo. You said, you know what? Two first basemen's not enough. Gotta nope. get my third one. I gotta get my third first am baseman I, here. Am I crazy in that? Like, I, think that I was very shocked how low he is, but go right. on. Right, twenty three. I know it wasn't the most flashy season, and it, this could be like a Toby of hitters. Whereas twenty two home runs, seventy three runs, sixty one RBI, two forty average. I wouldn't be happy with that through the full year of Anthony Rizzo, one hundred forty one games. I, I just feel that, you know, it was the Cubs and the Cubs did not have a, a, a fun morale to them. And I do believe that that players do perform better on uh, better ball clubs, especially like positive morale where they all make each other better. I am a believer of that a bit. Alex Thinkfast has arrived mm-hmm. um, and he was doing really well after the trade on the Yankees. And then the COVID thing hit and didn't really quite recover after. I, I just feel there's just too much of a ceiling there to chase out of the gate, especially if he's in a the higher part of that Yankee lineup. Like he could resign there. He's he expressed that he wants to. I was like, this is a productive bat that I won't want to remove if it, you know, if he's doing well out of the gate. So, sure, 20th round. Here you go. I think he'll represent for a lot of people, myself included, the end of a tier where I would consider my first baseman. You know what I mean? Like, but he's mm-hmm. in that tier still. He's the last guy I would want in a tier of first baseman. Um, I mean, that's pretty late then 20th round. Wow. It's a very deep position. I mean, I'm fine with Jared Walsh and CJ Crone and Brandon Belt and Joey Votto. And like, I, I think you can build great fantasy teams out of all those guys. Um, this one is my chalk. A lot of, a lot of people too. So in round 21, as your penultimate pitcher so, or your final pitcher, depending on how we're considering your last pitcher, you go with Chris Paddock. Yeah, so what I did is I texted uh, or I messaged Adam Howe and Kevin Hastings this pick because I was think I was going to go on the flight to Arizona, mm-hmm. and uh, and I sent to them, okay, when this comes around, I want either Joe Ryan or James Caprillion, I think is what I said, or someone else that had already been taken, and they're like, both of those guys are gone, Nick. Like, who's the third? Mm-hmm. Who's the third one? I was like, oh, I guess Chris Paddock. Uh, and like, I was just like, I, I was on the road. I hadn't any cue. I was just like, let's just name guys that I think I was thinking sure. about before and didn't see if they went. Um, or maybe it was like Lomet or something. I don't know. It wasn't Lomet, but it, it, it was not good. Nick, you should have done better. Uh, Paddock is probably not someone I'm going to target. I think it's going to be a bit of a headache. I wouldn't be shocked though. I think we completely like ridden him off completely now. And there's a lot of opportunity for him to get his fastball back in order. That's not an absolute cold case. Um, And if you want to talk about guys who have hinted at least of that ceiling, I mean, Chris Paddock has done that before. There is opportunity for him to return to that. This is also someone, 21st round, you know, if you draft this and then it just doesn't seem good, you will quickly give him the hook. That's what Mm -hmm. you want to do. You want to set yourself up to drop a guy early and replace with, Robbie Ray, Carlos Rodon, etc. that I've said ad nauseum at this point. So I was fine with Chris Paddock. I feel like we'll know either way early on. So he was on that list. You got to, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. If you redo this, you're probably taking Tony Disco. Yes. I saw Tony Disco go next. I'm like, oh no. (laughs) 
yeah. But I mean, yeah. the other guys, Daniel Lynch, I mean, I've said a lot about him, but I don't want to pick him up right away. You know, uh, Grayson Rodriguez, Corey Kluber, Kyle Muller. Kyle Muller is a fun one. And I was like, I don't know if the Braves yeah. or, or Atlanta is going to invest early in that. And that's just not for me. Hunter Green, Bailey Oberizzi. Um, those pitchers, I don't feel like I would actually want to have on my roster opening day. So sure. Paddock, I could see actually being a productive member of society the first week. Uh, I want to move on to this next bit because I, I really like it. This is a guy who ended the year with, I believe, 22 home runs. It's a nice pick for your catcher. That's Eric Haas in Detroit. This is also a guy who, I mean, he didn't really bat super high in the lineup. But like I said, end of the year with 22 home runs. Um you know, the potential to be another 20 home run guy is probably going to be a little bit of a, a suck for you on batting average. But I don't think that power is really going away there where you just kind of take a warm body. Funny story. I thought Mitch Garver was already taken. <laughs> OK, and he wasn't. But yeah, I will yeah, say yeah. Uh, the power is legit with Haas and he's also going to play in the outfield. So the 96 games or 98 games you see this past year, he came up in May. Uh, Haas could be. You know, could get a hundred, uh, sorry, yeah, 140 games this year, including outfield and catching. They actually played one game at first base as well and was DH uh, for the Tigers. So they'll get him in the lineup, I think, through the yeah. year. Um, there's something to be said about that volume at catcher. Now, the strikeout rate's always been above 30%. Uh, he's bounced in and out of the majors and minors for a while with Cleveland and now with Detroit. This is his first real full year, though, of course. And hopefully, yeah, he's he's been at this for 10 years. His first minor league game happened in 2011, uh, wow. as he's going to be 29 next year. I really hope that it comes through. The power is legit, and I felt, you know what, this is something that I can get something out of a catcher. So I'm going to be changing that. I'm going to be getting a catcher early. Salvador Perez or Real Muto or Will Smith or Grandal. Oh, One that's much four. earlier. Yeah, I'm going to be I'm going to be doing that instead. But okay. uh, it's I was like, oh, no, Eric Haas. Hi. All right. And then the last pick, you said he's not really a pitcher. Words out of your mouth. Exactly. He's not really a pitcher. No, he's not really uh, my 10th because he goes to the IL spot. Uh, Mike Soroka. Yes. So I can replace that with whatever I want. And I think, man, I think that's the best pick I made in this entire draft. Mike Soroka is currently like missed all of 2021 with the, uh, the research re injury of his Achilles. And they have to redo the surgery. Uh, he could be starting out of opening day. Mike Soroka. Mm. And this is Mike Soroka. This isn't like yep. just some bum. This is a guy who was drafted inside the top 30 starters before that injury. Uh, and yeah, that sounds awesome. I mean, I want to say actually was drafted top 30 starters, then got hurt in 2019. I don't remember. Whatever. Mike Soroka could be amazing. And that's what's cool. So 23rd round. Sweet. That's like just a free pick. And there it is. What is your overall grade of your draft? 16, maybe 15 out of 23. What scale is that? It's because there's 23 rounds. This is what I've been doing fast. You got to listen to the podcast. 16 out of 23. That's your scale? Yeah, because there's 23 rounds. That's so unrelatable. What does that I even used to mean? Do it, I used to do it out of 17 because I love arbitrary scales. So just think of it. There's 23 rounds and like you give yourself uh, you know, a point for a pick or if you don't like it, you don't. You, know, you go negative okay. two or you do this a point, right? So, so it's a, okay. It makes sense now. It's a C minus. Stop this. 
I uh, it is, is that, 69 16 over 23 yeah, is 69.5%. not quite the same. Okay, so anyway, what I'm getting at, what I don't like about my my picks, so I probably uh-huh. won't chase Freeman because of first baseman. Uh-huh. I I don't necessarily love the Springer pick because of the Castellanos one. Um I don't like that I I the the closers I chose whatever. It's like Kenley Jansen said Will Smith or Scott Barlow maybe that's fine or Bednar whatever. Um, I don't like the I don't like the Hoskins pick. I don't think I needed to make that. I don't like that I didn't get a catcher earlier, um, and I probably could replace something like the Springer pick. Oh, no, no, with the the um, like uh, Morden pick for JT Realmuto, then come back around instead of Canley Jensen or the or the Reese Hoskins one, maybe going for a different starter. I could. Uh, there's just so many starters I like. I don't need to get Charlie Morden there, and Realmuto would have done so much more for my team. I think, um, or maybe Will Smith and Grandal in that tenth round instead of Canley Jansen. I some of the starters maybe I want I wanted to get a uh, that Gilbert Gray scoobal between the 14th and the 15th is really frustrating and mm-hmm. I don't think I needed to chase Sean Mania, uh necessarily I would have loved to have had more fun with those guys um but yeah I mean I, I feel like I'm going to be better at this by March so that's why I want to give myself a 16 out of 23 what was your favorite pick you went through a lot of the picks that you were a little hesitant on but what was your favorite I mean, Mike Soroka in the 23rd is so good. That's just stupid, okay. stupid good. Uh, I think, I mean, honestly, the Jack Flaherty in the sixth round is, I think I got lucky with that. What uh, pick were you, oh, sorry. Yeah. What pick were you most jealous of? Of someone else? Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a, that's a really good question. Uh, I've given a lot of seals of approvals. Um, most jealous of pick, man. Uh Real Muto in the ninth round, maybe. I uh, that seems like such good value for like or maybe Grandal in the eleventh from Scott Chu. I mm-hmm. uh, I'm jealous of Van Burnett doing Gilbert and Gray at the turn like that. Mm-hmm. It's just not That's fair. Nice. John Means in the sixteenth from Ben Palmer. I uh, yeah, those are those are the fun ones. Gallegos in the thirteenth is pretty dang good. Uh, a, lot, a lot of good picks in this draft. What pick made you want to fire a staff member most? <laughs> None of them. I, I have wonderful yeah, staffers. That was a, that was a trick best. question. Yeah. A trick question. Um, what pick? No, I don't think I have another good one. I was going to, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I think we can, we can edit on the, on well, the, one, the one thing. One thing I will say is that this, this entire mock draft does make you think what is a good position to be in. Uh, and I do think the seventh spot is, is, is a really good one. Yeah. Um, you might be get lucky with eight because it might be a starter that goes in the first seven and then you don't have to get Shoya Otani, which I wouldn't do because I am scared of his injury stuff. Um, but uh, I feel like seven is a it gives you a lot of options. You don't feel like you're missing out at the fir- the the end or beginning of the first couple of rounds. Right. You can often feel you're at the beginning of the first. Then you it waits too long to come back. Um, same thing with the end of the first, so you don't feel like you get enough uh, substance there. I think right in the middle, six, seven, um, you get the best of both worlds. I'm with you. And it also, like, you don't have to make some of the difficult decisions in the first round, and then you're still getting value. And then by the time it comes back around to you, there's still a lot of really good players left. So I'm with you on that. That's that's my strategy as well. But Nick. Hi. That's going to do it for your what? your draft for but your we, draft oh, recap. I mean, we did we did go a bit long. It is like an uh, oh, yeah. hour 12. Yeah. 
And we didn't even do our our break for ads, no, we which didn't. I completely forgot. No, yeah, we didn't. We'll put it in randomly. So sorry, guys. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> uh, but that is going to do it for episode number 285 of On the Court of the Official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fest. And I'm Nick Pollock. And we'll talk to you guys next week.